CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Right now in OA, a trifecta of fear. Three areas of the market flashing warning signs from rates to energy to industrial metals. We'll break down how traders are hedging their bets to survive any coming storms. Plus, full stream ahead. Shares of Netflix up sharply this week as investors seem to be flooding uh, to tech to avoid some of the market turbulence. We'll chart its next move uh, from here coming up. And later, Lululemon on deck, the athletic apparel maker reporting earnings next week. The stock's been a bit of a downward dog this year. So what are the options uh, markets saying investors should expect from the results? I'm Melissa Lee. This is Options Action. We're live from the Nasdaq market site on the desk tonight. Mike Coe, Carter Worth, and Brian Stutland. We begin tonight with our weekly check on some of the names we're seeing the most options action this week. Among them, NVIDIA, Bank of America, Block, AMD, and Coinbase. That heavy interest in banks and tech also showing up in the action of the ETFs. Traders flooding into the triple Qs, the IWM small caps, Russell 2000 ETF, Brazil's EWZ, the KRE regional banks, and the GLD. And that's where we start with three pain points in the market that seem to be flashing warning signs right now. Rates dropping across the board after the central bank's quarter point hike on Wednesday. The tenure hitting its lowest level since September at one point today. Oil, meantime, continuing its slide lower, crude down nearly 10% over the past month. And then there's a big move in metals, gold notching its fourth straight week of gains as copper has its best week since January. So, Carter, take us through why these moves are a cause for concern. Sure. So one thing we know, of course, is that stock prices themselves are part of the government's leading indicator index. And they are aware, of course, that we peaked on the 4th of January 2022, quite some time ago. And while we might have been stabilizing here and not getting worse, we are not improving particularly. We also know that all the things that were consensus uh, on the street are exactly not happening. Meaning it was consensus we were going to 5% and higher in the 10-year yield, or 3.4%. It was consensus that financials were a good area to be in, in banks and brokerage, they're collapsing. That energy stocks were getting cheap, they've gotten cheaper. I think these are all signs, of course, and, and, and the flight to safety in, in Apple, that kind of thing. These are all signs that basically um, a recession, in my thinking, is inevitable. And just, of course, when you heard that expression, how arrogant, how hubris uh, related, uh, no landing. All planes land. That's how it works. And so when you start hearing no landing, it, it really means landing, landing, landing. <laughs> Mike, uh, do you agree? Do you come away with the same conclusion? Yeah, I mean, uh, a couple things. I mean, first of all, when we, we just listened to Fed speak here a little bit, uh, I think they're really trying to thread the needle, and this is going to be a difficult one for them to do. The inflation problem remains a very real one. Quarter basis point hike doesn't solve that. I mean, the, the whole story that you can somehow manage to control inflation and then not hurt the economy, this is uh, obviously complete nonsense. 
you know, the other important thing that I think we should pay attention to with respect to banks, I mean, of course, the news over the course of the last couple of weeks has been all of the duration risk. You know, they hold all of these assets. Uh, those assets are declining in value as rates rise. Uh, but of course, we have another situation that is deeply recessionary, and that is going to be a huge contraction in credit. As, as the cost to borrow has risen, even as the 10-year note rates have fallen on a relative basis, and then the bank's ability to lend is also being constrained. So you're going to have basically two pressures on basically create, uh, credit creation, which is you're going to have supply constraints and you're going to have demand uh, constraints. And the two of these just means there's going to be less credit available. That decreases the money supply. That is clearly recessionary. You know, with respect to gold, I'm completely unsurprised. I'm long gold. I'm long the, the futures and also GLD uh, via options. Uh, you know, I, I obviously think that if you can't completely control inflation, if you are trying to thread that needle, you're going to see higher, uh, higher gold prices. And of course, it does make sense to see people running into the technology names that are probably a little bit more immune. I think uh, communications also, which is kind of a form of utility, we wouldn't really expect to see a lot of contraction there either. Yeah, I mean, Brian, is that the right takeaway? Because, I mean, we have seen that flight to tech, the outperformance of tech. When, since the banking, banking crisis began uh, just a couple weeks ago, certainly we've seen the NASDAQ outperform the S&P. Yeah, we have. And, and a lot of that has just been that rotation away from sort of that value play that we saw all of last year and sort of interest rates moved lower. Now people feel a little bit more comfortable moving money in some other place. It's almost as if the NASDAQ actually is part growth, part long treasuries on the long end of the curve. So when those perform well, the NASDAQ does well, too. And I think that's why you're seeing that rotation there. But, you know, to Carter's point, obviously the VIX or the spikes that tracks the SPY, that volatility level trading in the 20 handle usually is a depiction of a recession or extreme risk out there in the marketplace. We don't normally see the VIX elevated and remain elevated at these levels. But dig deeper here. Let's look at how the VIX looks right here on this chart of the VIX versus credit spreads. And when you take a look at high yield, those are like BAA kind of rated out to 10 years compared to U.S. Treasury rates. That credit spread tends to be a pretty good indication of volatility and market risk. And really, when you look at that, those credit spreads are really more like 2019, not 2020 levels where we had total chaos in the market. So I don't know that we're quite there in this sort of do or die recessionary situation where the market's just going to crap out and move lower. I think we're sort of in this range where we're going to, yes, have some volatility. Banks going under, credit, you know, liquidity, yes, that's going to be a little bit of an issue. You're going to get some whipsaw action, but we're not at credit spread levels where I'm worried about a VIX going to 45 yet or, or, or the market tanking off of that. So we've really got to watch that. Yeah. Um, Mike, is, that the, is it the right takeaway, though? I mean, if you, if you believe that something bad is brewing for the economy for various reasons, whether it be what's going on in banking and, and tightening of lending or, or inflation that is, uh, will continue to be run away, um, do you want to be in, in the so-called growthier areas? Uh, I mean, Apple and Microsoft, for instance? Well, I, I think what you want to be in are those names that uh, consistently deliver strong free cash flow. I think Microsoft is an example of this where you think their businesses, while not completely immune, are maybe less sensitive to uh, near-term recessionary pressures. I think that that's certainly an issue. You know, the other thing is that I, I think it is a mistake 
to make a, a really uh, bearish bet here, you know, that basically everything is going to go, uh, you know, sharply, sharply lower. I think that what we could see is more of the kind of pain that we saw last year rather than some kind of a crash. And I think that's what Brian is talking about when he indicates that the VIX isn't really elevated. Now, one quick point about VIX versus the credit spread issue. You know, what we saw in mid 2020 is not an example that we can really uh, use in any other context because basically the risk-free rates went to zero, essentially, or even below uh, in many cases. And of course, there was going to be some concern on the credit side. So you saw a huge explosion in that spread during that time when people really didn't know what was going to happen. And I think that was a very tough proxy. Of course, we did see a short-term spike in the VIX as well. You know, longer term, uh, from an industrial perspective, there are things that I still like. Uh, you know, I think copper would be uh, an example of this. You know, we have very low, uh, very low inventories for copper, and I see see the demand side of this picking up over time. And there are a couple reasons for this. Uh, you know, obviously we're making a move from ICE vehicles to EV vehicles. Uh, EV vehicles use more copper in their construction. Uh, we're also making a push towards renewable energy. And one of the things about renewable energy is it tends uh, not to be as stable as more conventional sources of energy are. So you actually have to overbuild. In other words, you have to have more wind turbines capacity to replace sort of steady state power generation. So, of course, that is also going to mean that there's higher copper demand. And, of course, we have China reopening. And I think you put all of those things together. And I think in the long term, that's a positive for copper and it's a positive for the companies that produce it, like Freeport. I wonder if the tightening of, of, of credit is going to impact the financing of these renewable projects, though, which seem to get a lot of financing from, from mid-tier banks. Um, Carter, what do you see in the charts for copper? Well, copper is, um, I would say, turning, but uh, again, not exciting. There's a, there's a great industrial metals index, which has copper, nickel, aluminum, and zinc. And if you were to look at that, it's, it's, it's struggling. It's trying to not get worse. Um, uh, I like gold better, of course, but I think um, people know that uh, if one's going to uh, traffic in any particular metal. All right. Still to come, has Netflix's stream higher come too far too fast? We'll discuss how you can trim some of the surge. And for everything Options Action, check out our website and our newsletter. There's much more Options Action right after this. Calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Shares of Netflix rebounding recently after the company started cracking down on password sharing. The stock is up more than 11% in the last two days. But if you think the streaming surge has come too far too fast, Brian has got a way to hedge it. Brian. Yeah, it definitely has moved up very quickly. And there are ways to hedge it. I think options are posing a nice way where you can buy a put and protect some of the downside to being long the stock. So I still like the stock. It's got the outperformance with the rest of the market. The Nasdaq 
When you look at it versus the NASDAQ, it's performed, outperformed in there. There's been this big rotation in terms of the telecom sector moving to more of these streaming video type plays uh, in there. And Netflix, with a very strong cash flow, has moved to the upside and it's gapped up. And so when I see a stock sort of gap up and I'm worried, can it continue and roll over to the upside? What I'll look to do is maybe buy a put on the downside to protect my long stock position. And so right around that 310 level is sort of where it kind of broke out and gapped up higher. Maybe there's some resistance up around 350 or whatnot. But I think if we break that support, it could come all the way back down through 300. So I'm looking to buy an April 305 put. I can pay a little under 12 bucks for that. So that puts my break even down below, just below 295 for this put to sort of pay off. But you think, okay, maybe that's a long ways to the downside. But this April option includes Netflix next earnings, which comes out on April 18th. And so earnings moves, we've seen Netflix on average move about 11%. That alone, an earnings event could put the stock down below 295 a share, that break even point. So I'm using a put to protect the downside, protect against maybe the earnings not being as bright as everybody is hopeful for right now. But I can continue to hold on to the stock. As Mike alluded earlier in the show about free cash flow type names like a Microsoft, Netflix is starting to become one of those. And so maybe there's still some more upside if the Nasdaq and technology, if that's sort of a move in the market and rotation that's going to continue. Uh, Carter, you know, Brian's throwing around a lot of levels. What do you think of them? <laughs> yeah. I mean, for my part, uh, this stock has such desirable characteristics that one wants to stay long. Now, uh, Brian mentioned that he liked the stock, but concern maybe it's gone a little too far too fast. The key things we know, are, of course, that Netflix bottomed so much earlier than the market. It bottomed um, in April, May of 2022 while the stock market went on to make new lows in October. And you can see, of course, that it's just had this 25% sell-off, and that sell-off stopped to the penny at the 150 moving average. And that's where that bounce has taken place. I mean, and for me, it's a stay long, be long. All right, Mike, what's your take on the trade? Yeah, I mean, look, Netflix is one of those names where I think you are actually getting growth at a reasonable price. I mean, this thing is trading around 26 times full year earnings, and that's with about 28% year on year growth. That gives you a peg ratio of less than one, probably 23% bottom line EPS growth between 23 and 24 full year. You know, one other thing that I think is kind of interesting looking at the options is that options premiums are kind of elevated in the name, which you usually see dropping as stocks rise. And I think what that tells you is that investors are anxious about its rise, and that actually might lend some support to it. I think if you're going to try to hedge your long exposure in Netflix, you might buy the put that Brian is talking about, but possibly spread it to reduce All the right. cost. Coming up, a few big names still left to report earnings next week, and one is in Mike's Holly Index. So how should you position yourself ahead of those results? That is a hint, of course. Don't go anywhere. Options Actions back in two. Welcome back to Options Action. A few earnings on tap next week. Walgreens set to report results before the bell on Tuesday, and the stock has had a rough few months, down nearly 14%. Mike's got a way to trade this one. Mike. Yeah, so Walgreens, this is a little bit of a contrarian play here. This is a name that we actually own, and if you take a look at that chart, it doesn't look very pretty. A couple of the reasons that we happen to like the stock, uh, number one, the thing is just dirt cheap. Uh, even if you take out basically the boost that they got from COVID, so we saw basically a 10% revenue gain on COVID-related spending. Uh, that You can pull that back out, and still this thing is exceptionally cheap. It's, it's trading at less than 10 times. 
the bad news, of course, is that they are facing, along with some of the other pharmaceutical companies, uh, opioid litigation risks. And of course, more recently, if you've been following it, there's been a little bit of political controversy as well with respect to if and where they're going to be distributing uh, abortion drugs. But I think here right now, uh, there's a lot of uh, bad news baked into the stock. That said, it is toying right now with a five-year low of about 30 bucks. It came very close uh, very recently. And so my thinking here is that to buy the stock, you might want to hedge it. I was looking at the May 30, 27 and a half put spread. When I was looking at that earlier today, that would cost about 48 cents. And the idea here is that if you own the stock and it basically holds that five-year low, uh, that's really limited downside. This put spread is intended to uh, essentially offer some protection if it should violate it. And like I said, this is a stock uh, that we own, and that's how I intend to hedge it. Yeah. Carter, how does the chart look? Right. So the five-year low that Mike refers to is the October low, where all stocks made lows. You have to go back 10 years before that low. So essentially, Walgreens is flirting with 10-year lows. Now, how many stocks have made no progress in 10 years? And that's when you do get things that are cheap, exceedingly cheap. But cheap is a, is a dangerous word, sometimes considered a dirty word. There's an expression known as a value trap. That's my hunch. Yeah. Brian, you with him? Uh, value trap for Walgreens? Uh, it, it might be, but I like the idea of a put spread because you limit the total outlay cost of your option strategy. And you get some protection to the downside. And as stocks kind of trend lower in this channel range, I like using put spreads to lower my cost of protection in a hedge while still owning the stock like this. All right. Well, uh, let's get to the other name reporting Tuesday. Lululemon shares going downward dog over the last few months. But could it be time to limber up? Mike's got a way to play it ahead of results. This one was the one in the Holly Index. It's been there for years now. It has indeed. This is also a stock that we own. Uh, you know, the options market right now implying pretty good size moves after they report. They're going to be reporting on Tuesday, the 28th, and they're right now implying a move of over 8% just on that day. So, you know, the good news for Lulu is that uh, although it's a more expensive stock than Walgreens, when we start thinking about it on a growth to price basis, basis uh, it seems a lot more reasonable. So here, too, we're looking at around 26 times earnings and about a 25, 26 times annual growth rate. So that's a good thing. And of course, with China reopening, this is the market that a lot of people are hoping that Lulu is going to be able to expand into. Uh, of course, that also brings up the fact that some of the expectations there are, are fairly ambitious. And we did see on their last earnings report a little bit of margin uh, compression. And there is some risk that we're going to see that coming into this earnings as well. So if you don't already own the stock as we do, another way that you could play this potentially is with a call spread. I was looking at the May 33360 call spread. That was going to cost me just a little over eight bucks. Uh, that is a way to uh, basically get exposure to Lulu to the upside. And of course, this is a, a pretty expensive stock uh, at over $300 a share. So this is also a way that you can commit a relatively smaller amount of capital if you're inclined to make a bullish bet going into earnings. Carter? Well, I, interestingly, I was in a Lulu today for the second time in my life uh, here in Park City. And I was, of course, accompanying someone, so just kicking my heels. The other time, there's one in the building I live in. I was cold when I was also waiting for someone I was inside. In any event, uh, I just, I don't know. It had a tough go the last quarter, a really tough go, and it's an expensive stock. I feel like you could say that about a lot of retailers, though, Carter, to be fair to Lulu, that you'd only be forced into a store if you're waiting for somebody. Is that fair? Oh, 
I thought you were about yeah. to say expensive. Yes, that's true. That's why okay. they have those chairs for certain people in right. stores. So even for other people. <laughs> yeah, they're Carter chairs. Uh, Brian, what do you think of Lulu? What do you think of Mike's trade? Yeah, well, interesting on Fast Money earlier, Melly, you brought up a sort of a combination between Nike and Lulu. We talked about that. And whereas we saw bearish option activity in Nike, we didn't really see that in Lulu. So maybe Lululemon's got some more to the upside. I would I would express that, you know, more on Carter's side. It seems like a little bit of an expensive stock. But you look at something like versus Walgreens and Lululemon, there has been this move to consumer discretionary versus consumer staples, although staples did very well today. It seems like this rotation continues to happen. Maybe Lululemon is one of those that participates in the upside. So using a call spread makes a lot of sense rather than maybe outright buying the stock. All right. Up next, your tweets and the final call. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take some tweets. Our first fan asks, given that UBS has stated that the Credit Suisse brand will continue, I have taken this opportunity to load up on $503 January 25th leaps as they are very cheap. Is this a good hedge toward recovery or a pipe dream of wasted money? Brian Sutland, what do you say? I mean, I think if they're buying options going out to leap options, I think it's a pipe dream of possibly wasted money. What I'd rather do is almost sell leap type options in a place like UBS because we know that they, they're not taking over Credit Suisse because they want to go down with the ship. They're going to try and start to stabilize it. Now, will their profitability, given all the issues in the banking and financial sector right now, you know, lead them to profitability on the upside? Probably not. But that's a good opportunity if I'm going to own a bank, sell a put at a level where I'm willing to own them, wait for it to get there because I don't know that it actually gets there for a place like UBS. All right. Next tweet says, given the general uncertainty about the economy, what do you think of buying June 7580 call spreads on the Vanek Pharmaceutical ETF? Mike. Uh, okay, so, you know, this is a very low volatility name, much like most of its constituents. We're talking about the Merck's and Lilly's and Johnson and Johnson's of the world. I think this is a situation where I might buy just out of the money calls and look for opportunities to either roll or spread rather than entering into a call spread right to begin with. And the reason is that those out of the money calls you're thinking of selling are just too cheap. All right, time now for the final call. Carter Braxton Worth. I want to be sure to have hold weeks, months ahead. Brian Sutland. Uh, I still like Netflix, but I want to own a put, so buy that April downside 305 put against your long side. Mike Coe. Yeah, you know, I like Netflix too, but I think a put spread is a less expensive way to hedge it because I don't think there's that much need to, frankly. And in Lulu's case, I like call spreads going into earnings. All right, that does it for us. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. CNBC. Live ambitiously. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 